0: We're so glad you're here. God's got a fresh, hot meal for you right now, and it's it's a meal of life and strength and healing, and I want to encourage you and those as well joining us at home online, you know, put everything else aside. You know, if I were coming to church online, I would make it just like I was there. I would, everything in the house would stop. There'd be no chores. There'd be nothing else going on. We'd gather around the computer, or the TV. We'd turn it up, and we'd enter in and worship God and shout and holler and praise Him and pray in the Spirit. And we'd have our hard copy Bibles with us, and we'd sit down together, and we'd, get, we'd, we'd study the Word. We'd hear the Word. We'd meditate in the Word. We'd underline it. We'd speak it. We'd believe it, and we'd let the Holy Spirit minister to us just as if we were here in the warehouse. Hallelujah, we're continuing in seeing as God sees, seeing as God sees. This is part three of a series that we're doing, and God is beckoning us to look at things the way that he looks at things, to see things the way that he sees things. And it's amazing how frustrating things can be when you don't see them as he sees them. It's amazing the amount of stress and anxiety that can can enter your life when you're not looking at things the way that God looks at them. And it's amazing that it all all the anxiety and the stress dissipates and leaves and evaporates when you begin to believe what he said about you. When you begin to look at yourself and look at him and look at the things around you through the eyes of the Father. Many people in life have uh, accepted a common saying that seeing is believing, but it's really not true. Seeing is actually not believing, and many people will say, well, I'll believe it when I see it, and that's a very dark way to live because your senses can mislead you. Many times in my life, I thought I saw something or someone, and as I, they turned around or I got close, I realized it wasn't at all what I thought I saw. One of my favorite Bible teachers is E.W. Kenyon, who went to heaven in 1948, and he, he calls it sense knowledge faith, that you try and have faith based on your five senses. And anything you can gather using your five senses, and that, it doesn't work with the things of God. The type of faith that God wants to have is revelation, knowledge, faith. In other words, it's the eyes of our heart being open to the reality of Him. Amen. What would your life look like if you, have, if you gave your whole life to the Holy Spirit? And I know, depending on where you're at what's going on in your life, I'm sure you might have a number of people advising you as to what the next step is. You, at work, you may have supervisors or superiors at work telling you what you should do next or, or guidance counselors or sometimes even parents and family. But what does the Holy Spirit have for you next? Where does the Holy Spirit want you to go? What has He called you to do? You see, if you base your beliefs and your life decisions on what your five senses can process, you're going to miss God. And Jennifer just talked about, it's not about power, it's not about might, it's man's power, our strength, getting all of our ducks in a row. It really is about yielding to the Holy Spirit. In general, the New Testament church in America has made very little of the Holy Spirit. They're kind of afraid of what he might do if he entered a church service because they don't know that he is the person of God. He's just like Jesus. He's just like the Father. He's not strange. He's not weird. He's perfect life. He's perfect light. And you always want him involved in everything that you do. You never want to uh, hinder him. You want to give him full right of way in your life decisions, because no one loves you like the Holy Spirit does. So the Holy Spirit realizes that there's a much greater reality than believing is seeing, or excuse me, seeing is believing, and that is believing is seeing. Let's start with Hebrews 11, chapter 3, then we're going to look at one of my favorite people in history, Abraham. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3. I remember in my life as a a teenage young man when I decided to believe God. And in a way, it was like scales fell from my eyes. I saw things I never could see before, and I began to understand things that people around me and my family couldn't understand because they didn't believe God. Hebrews 11.3 says, says, through faith, we understand. Faith in who? Jesus Christ, right? God, yeah, right? What is faith? Total confidence in Him. Total confidence in Him. Being absolutely sure that He is who He says He is. That He's done what He's done for us through His Son. That we are who he says we are. Through faith being fully convinced of him and everything he said and done, we understand. That the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. Wow, that's a game changer, isn't it? There would be people who would think that you had had forfeited your sanity for believing this, that everything we see, the floor, the columns, the lights, the wood, the windows, your tires, came from a realm that is unseen. But that's what the Scriptures reveal to us. Where everything is happening is actually in the spirit realm in the realm of the unseen. It's where all your battles are fought. It's where all your battles have been won by Christ, in the realm of the Spirit. But the devil would like you to get caught up in the seen realm, in what people say and do around you, in how things look to you. Many people have based their life decisions on how they currently feel or how they felt last week. Or, or what their current circumstances look like. Many people base what they believe on their past or present experience. But what God has set before us in 2021 is only going to be entered into by believing Him. You can't know God based on what goes on in this world or even your own life experience. You can only know Him through the Son, through Jesus Christ, by believing Him. Do you know it's possible? I'm just listening to the Holy Spirit here. Hallelujah. It's possible to live your whole life. To spend all of your time and your energy and your resources and your talents striving to accomplish things. Striving to please others. And miss the very reason you were created. And you may have the applause of the world, but you'll miss your divine destiny. I heard a quote recently, I like it. It says, there is nothing so useless as doing efficiently that which should not be done at all. (laughs) There's nothing so useless as doing efficiently that which should not be done at all. When you're living to please others that's what you end up doing. You spend your time and your effort getting it to a place where they're pleased with it. But what has God made you for? What has God made you to invest your time and energy in? I like uh, the account of two sisters in the Bible. When Jesus comes to their house, it's Mary and Martha. My grandmother's name was Martha, so I think of her. But <laughs> but Jesus comes to their house and I like to try and imagine what that would have been like. I mean, Jesus became so famous and so well-known, it got to the point where he couldn't enter into the cities because of the massive crowds that followed him. But he came to Martha and Mary's home, and both of them had a very different response to that. Mary was so focused on who he was and what he was about to say that she just sat at his feet and listened to him. Martha was focused on how clean her home was and how many people would be in her home and the food she would need to prepare to make sure that everything was taken care of. And her focus was on things that she didn't need to focus on because Jesus was in her house. And she got mad on her sister who was focusing on what she should have been focusing on. If someone's upset with you, sometimes it's because they're focusing on the wrong thing. When you choose to focus on Jesus, I guarantee you somebody's going to get upset with you somewhere along the line. So Martha, she's bold. She gets Jesus. She's like, Jesus, will you please correct my sister? Right? I mean, she's, she's a slacker. And she's not using her time and energy as it should be used. And I love what Jesus said to her, and I want you to get this today. In your life, only one thing is necessary. Only one thing is necessary. What is that? Knowing Jesus. I don't mean knowing about him I mean personally interacting with him throughout your day, hearing from him, hearing his voice speak to you and direct you during the day, knowing him. He said only one thing is necessary, and Mary has chosen, and no one's going to take it from her, right? So this is what we're going to do, Highway Family. We're going to put everything else aside in our lives. And we're going to make our life about one thing. Knowing Him. So take your time. I know you got to rearrange some things in your mind. You know, when you, when you move to a different location, and it takes a while to decide where things are going to be put and, and what you're going to keep and what you're going to in the dumpster. But this is what we're going to do in 2021. We're going to rearrange things inside of us under the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Okay? Yeah. Amen. Only one thing is necessary, and that's what God has to say to you. When is the last time you heard from Him? I hope it wasn't too long ago. He's been speaking all morning. <laughs> Think back to the last thing you know that he said to you. And I want you to understand, when I talk about hearing God's voice, I'm not talking about these ears. Because right now you're hearing an audible voice. The, the sound waves are going from my mouth into the microphone and out the speakers. But that's a, 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 a poor way to hear compared to hearing in your heart by the Spirit. The communication that God wants to have with you is a Spirit-to-Spirit communication. Very rarely, will, maybe never in your life, will you hear Him audibly because that's a lower form of communication. He speaks by His Spirit to your spirit, right? You don't want to listen to a, a crappy stereo, do you? You want high fidelity, right? So don't be straining these ears to try and hear them. Listen and hear, all right? The Holy Spirit will bear witness to your spirit. That's what you want to cultivate is that sensitivity to the voice of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, your spirit responding to Him, okay? And I'll tell you, if you're used to giving in to stress and, and worry and it, it's hard to hear his voice because it's so peaceful yeah. and, and you can't be in a hurry with God and that's frustrating right because we like to get it done fast right and, and that's what software development is all about right getting it done sooner and quicker but there are things that just can't be rushed in life and your destiny is one of them there's no microwave destiny. We used to have TV dinners when I was a kid. It was a big deal because the dinner was already it was frozen and all packaged in this little tinfoil thing. I never had them in my house, but a friend of mine had them. I remember going over and seeing them for the first time. His mom pulled them out of the oven and said, My mom would make homemade things, but and they set this little tray of tinfoil on. I said, What is that? I said, Man, you don't know what you're missing, bro. Come on my house, It gets you some homemade raviolis and about this big, you know. <laughs> but if you're used to, to package stuff and, and microwave stuff, man, you, you don't know what you're missing. So if you're used to living life by your own strength and your own wisdom and what other people think you should do, you don't know what you're missing. There's a life available to you that's homemade and fresh and it's from heaven. Your Father cooked it up specially for you. And you can only enter into it by listening to His voice. By cultivating a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit and even these last couple of weeks, you know, I had things I, I, I uh, wanted to get done during the day but I was in too much of a hurry and I, f- I felt the Spirit tugging on me. And I had to just pull back from everything and stop. But what about the phone calls and the appointments? One thing is necessary. Everything else can wait everything else can wait but, but 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 one thing okay holy spirit ah. i'll do that i'll do that this is what we're cultivating this is how god lives he lives he lives uh, in a in a realm of pure light in a realm that's not hurried In a realm of perfect peace, and that's where you belong. In the realm of light, in the realm of peace, in a realm that is stress-free. And that comes by choosing him above all else, right? To listen to him, to listen to his voice. Let's talk about, I like this guy, Abraham. He's one of my favorites in the Bible. And I'll tell you, there are many reasons why I'll hit a few of them today. How are we doing? Are we awake, by the way? We're doing good. Hallelujah. One of the reasons Abraham is my favorite is he he lived about 2,000 years after Adam, he lived about 430 years before the Ten Commandments and the Levitical priesthood and the law were given. So when Abraham was alive, there was no law given from God. No Ten Commandments, no Levitical priesthood. Hadn't happened yet. Abraham was living in a time really of grace and faith. Many don't understand this. We talk about it at Highway, but if you get your hard copy Bible... And they've done a lot of things to help organize it, and I appreciate that. They have what they call the Old Testament and the New Testament. And many believers think everything prior to Matthew is the Old Testament, but it's really not. The Old Testament, what we call the Old Testament, we're referring testament is a word for covenant, Old Covenant New Covenant. The covenant, when we say Old Covenant, that we're referring to is the covenant, the Mosaic Covenant. And that was issued, that was implemented, put into effect on Mount Sinai, okay? And we'll just round it off at about, four, well, I think 1496 B.C. is what, somewhere in there, about, about 1,500 years before Christ came. That was the old covenant, but there was about uh, 2,500 years of history of mankind prior to that ever happening. And then Christ came, and there's been about 2,000 years of history. So the actual Mosaic Covenant from Adam till now is really less than 25% of our history. It was really kind of a a small portion of time in between these 2,500 years of grace and faith and this new covenant that Christ implemented. But most Christians think that the Old Covenant is the focus of the Bible, and it's not. The focus of the Bible is a living, breathing relationship with God in your everyday life. That's the focus of the Bible. That's what the Bible is all about. Knowing how much He loves you. Knowing how much He cares for you. Knowing that He has prepared a destiny for you that will blow your mind that is beyond what you've dreamed of or imagined, and then just leaning on Him and letting Him bring you into it. That's what the Bible's about. So, and you know, Jesus, was when He came to earth in His ministry, was ministering under the Old Testament. So most of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John were under the Old Testament. The New Testament wasn't Implemented until Jesus rose from the dead, ascended into the Father and presented His blood in the Holy of holies. So really, the New Testament begins at the end of the Gospels and in the book of Acts, right But I like Abraham because he's living in this time when there was if you imagine, you know, we, we think of Moses, Ten Commandments because it's been so ingrained in us, but that didn't even exist. Didn't exist. Did not exist. No one ever heard of Moses. This is when Abraham lived. Never heard. Ten Commandments, Mount Sinai, priesthood, Israel, Jacob, didn't exist. It was a man who grew up in a family that worshipped pagan idols. Joshua 24 tells us that, if you want to read it. That Abram at the time, his father Terah, they worshipped idols he grew up in darkness worshipping pagan idols I want to make sure I don't skip I don't want to skip and I I just kind of imagining because I grew up in darkness myself and sometimes kids growing up in darkness don't really know what to say or what to do. They just go with it. <laughs> and I just kind of went with it because I knew I wasn't getting away from it. I, I was only seven. Right? I couldn't, Where am I going to go? But I didn't like it. I didn't like the things we did in the church I went to because they were dark. And, I, and this is, I'm talking a little kid here, you know, uh, seven, eight, nine, ten. I thought God has got to be better than this. This is what I, and I couldn't articulate that. I would never say that to my parents because I knew I'd get smacked. <laughs> but this is what I'm thinking as a kid. And, and I continued to think that my whole childhood, all the way into my teen years. And then I started getting older where I could kind of reason myself, you know, and I could start to articulate things. And I would just go away at night and walk and say, God, show me who you really are. I didn't know the Bible, didn't know anything about scriptures, didn't know any verses, but I knew that I was in darkness. Isn't that interesting? Why? The Holy Spirit was moving in my life. The Holy Spirit was moving in Abram's life. And here's Abram, as now an adult man with a family, and the living God, the only true God, speaks to him and he calls him out from darkness into the light of walking with God. But in order for Abram to step into the light, he had to say yes to the father. And his biological father, as far as we know, continued in darkness. So he had to walk away from family because God was calling him into the light. I knew I had to do the same thing. Look, very different circumstances, but I knew if I was going to know God, I couldn't rely on my biological family. I had to seek him myself. Are you willing to walk away from everything that's familiar to you, from everything culture says about you, from your past experiences, and step into the light of God alone? There's nothing else like it. There's nothing like walking with him each day of your life and letting him guide and direct you, letting him heal and minister to you, letting him provide for you, letting him strengthen you. (laughs) Hallelujah. Let's go to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. You see, since Adam fell, well, man was made in God's image, but man rejected God. And since that moment, God was doing everything he could to get his son into the earth. Why? Because he wanted to rescue man from the darkness they put themselves in. But there was a a problem that God had. (laughs) What was that problem? The only way his son could come into the earth was through a righteous bloodline. And there were no righteous bloodlines in the earth anymore. That's a big problem. Are you in Genesis 12? I'm being kind of funny when I say it's a problem because there are no problems for God. But God had a plan before man fell. It wasn't God's will for man to reject him. He didn't want it to happen, but man has a free will. And how many know we do things against the will of God sometimes, right? (laughs) But God is greater than our mistakes, isn't he? So before the foundation of the world, God prepared his son God, prepared, God made available a provision for the, for the fall of man. And it, he, he made this provision available to anyone who would believe him. And that is the covenant that we are in that Abraham began. It's a covenant of righteousness by faith. Before I read, say in Genesis twelve. Can we put Romans? Let's put Romans four up there real quick. Romans four. It's a covenant of righteousness by faith. So no matter how bad I've blown it in my life, when I choose to believe that Christ rose from the dead for me, I God gives to me His righteousness. I become as clean as God. Romans 4, chapter 1, Abraham is the father of this covenant. What then shall we say that Abraham our father has found according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, so many believers today are living in this way, he has something to boast about but not before God. For what does the Scripture say? Abraham believed God. And it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. But to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. Satan hates this. This wasn't even on his radar. He could not figure this covenant out. Because Satan is an accuser and a condemner, and he knows what we deserve. And that, it, just, it just tilts his reasoning that you have been made righteous by the blood of Jesus, just by believing in what Christ did for you. But there's nothing Satan can do about it anyway. But this belongs to you. And this is what Abraham began. Abraham chose to be the man to bring this into the earth. Wow. Let's read a little bit more in Romans 4. We're still awake. Still doing good. Verse 16. For this reason it is by faith that it might be in accordance with grace in order that the promise may be certain. To all the descendants, not only to those who are of the law, but also of those who are of the faith of Abraham. Is that you? Say yes. Yes, Yes, it is. That's who you are. If you're a Christian, you're of the faith of Abraham. He's the father of our faith. Father Abraham has many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so were you. So let's just praise the night arm. Yeah, you got it. Good for you. That's it. Sing it. Yeah. Father Abraham, the father of us all, as it is written, the father of many nations have I made you in the sight of him whom he believed, even God who gives life to the dead. Um, Excuse me, that's impossible. That's what he does. Who gives life to the dead and calls into being that which does not exist. Um, Excuse me, that's impossible. You live differently. You live with no impossibilities when you believe God. We're living impossible lives with impossible provision. An impossible health, impossible wisdom, impossible strength, impossible freedom. In hope against hope, he believed in order that he might become a father of many nations. In other words, sense knowledge was talking to Abraham and revelation knowledge was talking to Abraham. And you'll have the same experience. Your senses are telling you one thing and God is telling you another. Abraham chose to go with what God was saying instead of what his body was telling him. Hallelujah. Verse 19, without becoming weak in faith, he contemplated his own body. I realize there are limits to natural things, but when God gets involved, the limits are removed. Now as God, uh, excuse me, now as good as dead since he was about 100 years old. See, this whole thing is built on possibilities. Our entire relationship with God was impossible. Yeah. Hallelujah. He was about 100 years old in the deadness of Sarah's womb. Sarah was already barren and way beyond the, the age of childbearing. Yet with respect to what God said to him, he didn't waver in unbelief. That's what unbelief does. Causes you to waver, right? But he grew strong in faith. How? By giving glory to God. We grow strong in faith the same way. When our our senses are telling us one thing and God has told us another, we begin to worship God for what he said because it's our reality. And your senses will give in because he's stronger, right? God's word is always stronger than the five senses, it's always greater. And as you choose to give glory to God, you'll begin to experience the strength of His Word. And being fully assured, that's what faith is, right? That what God had promised, He was able also to perform. All right, let's get back to Genesis here. Genesis 12. So here's this, this man now, Abram, who grew up in the midst of darkness, worshiping pagan gods with his family. And God speaks to him and says, get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house, unto a land that I will show you. He's calling him out of darkness into light, right? And he calls us the same way. You know, if you're hanging out with friends who are are promoting darkness, it's time for new friends. It's so time for new friends. It is so time for some new friends, right? Are you willing to let go of your friends to have God? Guarantee you, you're going to have to make that choice. You may as well make it now. At some point in time, you'll have to make that choice. Do I want the approval of man or do I want a relationship with God? So he speaks to him. Now, that, that's, a, that's a pretty big directive, wouldn't you say? Leave your country, leave your family, your, your extended family, right? Not his wife and children. And your father's house and go to a land that I will show you. And let's keep reading. I will make you a, I will make you a great nation. He's speaking to a man whose, whose wife is barren. And I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless you and curse them that curse you. And in thee all the families of the earth shall be blessed. (laughs) That's that's impossible. Isn't it? Have you noticed that God says things that we think are impossible? Because he's God. And he knows nothing's impossible with him. So all you got to do is believe him and let him take care of it, right? So Abraham departed. Now look at this. He departed. He did it. I mean, we read this quickly in in seconds, but imagine all of the things, the possessions, the things that he had, all the logistics of actually doing this, everything he had to change and, and get in order and let go of. Don't read the Bible too fast. Think about what it must have been like for him to do this. It wasn't a quick decision. It wasn't an easy decision. It changed his entire life. Do you you think his family was like, yeah, go Abraham. Okay, (laughs) woohoo. I I don't think so. They were like, you're going to do what? Where are you going? I don't know. Wherever God tells me. it's fun to follow God so Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken unto him and Lot went with him, that's his nephew and Abram was 75 years old when he departed out of Moran wow. so he had some history behind him didn't he you accumulate a lot of things in 75 years right you can develop a lot of habits a lot of beliefs a lot of of ways of looking at things in 75 years. But as disciples of Christ, we're always ready to let go of those things and have more Jesus, right? He's the, this is why he's the father of our faith. He let go of it all and said yes to the father. This is the life he's modeled for us as our father in the faith, right? Genesis chapter 15. Genesis chapter 15. Now, in Genesis 14, we'll have time to go through it, but you'll see Jesus shows up in Abram's life as Melchizedek. And Jesus delivers Abram and his family, Abraham and his family, powerfully. And Abraham worships Jesus and gives him a tenth of all that he has. And in Genesis 15 the Lord responds to him he says after these things verse 1 the word of the Lord came unto Abram in in a vision saying fear not Abram i am your shield i am your exceeding great reward and Abram said lord god what will you give me seeing i go childless and the steward of my house um, in this excuse me is this uh, Eleazar of Damascus Abraham said, Behold, thou hast uh, given me no seed. Um, there's, no one born in, there's no one born in my house that is my heir. I'm just moving along to verse 4 here. The word of the Lord comes to him and says, um, "You know, th- No, th- this, this steward shall not be your heir, but your heir is going to come forth out of your own loins, your own bile, bowels. Verse 5, And he brought him forth abroad. So God leads Abraham. "...to look up at the sky." And he says, "...look toward heaven and tell the stars, count them, if you were able to number them." And he said unto him, "...so shall your seed be." That's impossible. "...so shall your seed be." And he believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness." So notice that that everything that God has said to Abram so far is not possible humanly, right? There's only one way that God's destiny can be fulfilled in your life, and it's by believing what he's told you, right? Because what he wants to do in your life is just not humanly possible. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, let's let the New Testament describe a little bit of what happened here in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8. We're almost done, kind of, so just relax. Hebrews 11, verse 8. By faith, what is faith? Being fully convinced that God is who He says He is, that He's done for me what He's done for me through His Son, right? Fully convinced, total confidence in God. By total confidence in God, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance, and he went out (laughs) not knowing where he was going. This is what I did at 17. So I'm having a party up here. I just wanted him, and all of my life plans changed. Because I was talking to him, saying, what do you want next? And the advice I was given from people wasn't the advice he was giving me. So I left it all and said, I'm going to follow you. So glad I did. Didn't know where I was going, but I knew the one I wanted to know. I knew who I wanted to be in relationship with. By faith, total confidence in God, he lived as an alien in the land of promise. And as in a foreign land dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise, for he was looking for the city which foundations whose architect and builder is God. See, this is the kind of life you're looking for the life that only God can build. That only only God could architect a future for you like this. Man, I don't care how talented they are or what kind of experience or how successful they've been, they cannot architect your destiny. Only the one who made you has the blueprints for your future. Choose him. Let him be your architect. Ask him to reveal to you his blueprints for your life. Hallelujah. Whose architect and builder was God, by faith even Sarah herself Received ability to conceive, that's impossible. (laughs) Even beyond the the proper time of life since she considered him faithful who had promised. Anytime you're faced with something that is impossible, that, that doesn't seem possible, remind yourself of God's faithfulness and begin to worship him. Verse 17, by faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and, who, and he who had received the promise was offering up his only begotten son. Hmm. As he, uh, excuse me, it was he, verse 18, it was he to whom it was said, in Isaac your descendants shall be called. Verse 19, he considered that God is able to raise men even from the dead from which he also received Isaac back as a type. This is what we'll close with back in Genesis 22. So God speaks to a man who grew up in darkness. He calls him out of darkness into his marvelous light. He reveals himself as the architect of this future that is beyond anything Abram's ever dreamed of, a future that involves the entire earth being blessed because of this man's yes to God. How many people's lives will be changed by your yes to the Father? You don't know. Many, though. I can tell you that. So he calls this man out, and lo and behold, his wife conceives. Everything that God said takes place. His wife bears a child. They name him Isaac. And he becomes Abraham's heir. And Isaac... Now, they've had Isaac. He's, uh, they think, maybe in his teen years, a young adult man. And God speaks to, uh, to Abraham in verse 1 of Genesis 22. He says, Now it came after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And look how Abraham responds, just like he did many years before Here I am. That's a response when God speaks, right? Here I am. And he said, Take now your son. Right? The, the one I've promised you, the one who, who is your heir, who all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed through, take him, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and get into the land of Moriah. That's where we got our oldest daughter's name, M-O-R-I-A-H. means God I will provide, God my teacher. And offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. So Abraham rose early in the morning. You see how eager he was to walk with God, right? How, how passionately do you want him? I mean, if you want him 70, 70%, it's not going to cut it. You have to really choose to want him with everything you are. Everything you are. This really is a 100% thing, isn't it? It's, you've got to be all in if you want to fulfill your destiny. There's nothing really passive about this. This is every part of you fully involved in your relationship with him. Spirit, soul, body, finances, job, everything you do, right? So Abraham rose early in the morning. He saddled his donkey, and he took his young men and Isaac with him, split wood for the sacrifice, and he did what God told him. Now on the third day, they come to the place, and then... um, Abraham, before he's uh, leaving these young men, he says to them in verse 5, stay with a donkey, me and Isaac are going to go yonder, we will worship and return to you. Remember what we read in Hebrews, Abraham knew that God was going to do something amazing. Right? He knew that even if God had to raise his son from the dead, he would do it. Right? What does God, what will God do for you, for your destiny to come to pass? Whatever needs to be done. Whatever needs to be done, right? So Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering, and Isaac is, is saying, we've got everything we need for the, for the burnt offering except the offering, Dad. You know, what's going on here? And Isaac said, and Abraham says to his son, my son, in verse 8, God will provide, that's the Hebrew word ra, R-A-A, I don't know how to say it, but God will provide himself a lamb. You see, God is, is giving us a picture of what He would do on that same mountain, that same mountain about 1,500 years later, that God will him, provide Himself as the Lamb. Right? So they're fully expecting God to provide, and that's exactly what God does. And uh, as, as Abraham is ready to... to, to To bring down the knife for the sacrifice, the angel of the Lord stops him. And he says, same response as he said before, here am I in verse 11. And he says, don't lay your hand upon the lad, neither do anything unto him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing that you have not withhold your son, your only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram Caught in a thicket by the horns, and Abraham took the ram and offered the ram as the sacrifice. And verse 14 it says, Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah Ra'ah, or Jehovah Jireh, we say in English, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. We say, the Lord my provider. And let's grab a hold of this before we leave today. The Lord will provide. Provide or provision is a combination of two words. Pro meaning before and vision meaning to see. It means that God saw your need before you did. And he made provision for it before you even knew you needed it. God has seen ahead of time and made provision for every aspect of your life. He's the God who knows ahead of time what needs to be done and sees to it that it's done and that it comes your way. He's the God who goes before you and works all things out for your good. He's the God who accomplishes the things that concern you. Hallelujah. Another way of saying it literally is the Lord will see to it. The message translation says, Abraham named that place God Yireh, or God sees to it. That's where we get the saying, on the mountain of God, he sees to it. Hallelujah. You see, God has things to say to you, things to speak into your life, and they will be things beyond what you can make happen. They will be things that you will wonder, how is that going to happen? They will be things that you'll be tempted to say are impossible. Naturally speaking, they are. But we're not natural people. We're sons and daughters of God. We're offsprings of the maker of heaven and earth. So we now, we've learned from the father of our faith that when he speaks, when our father, our heavenly father speaks, we say, here I am. And we get up early in the morning to do what he's told us to do. In other words, we're eager to walk out His plan for our lives. It becomes our focus and our passion. And we know no matter what it might currently look like that God has provided for us and met every need of ours according to His glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, what about you? Again, we're not here in a religious service. You have a life to live. You have a destiny to fulfill. Christ is returning. What are you doing about it? Where are you in what God has spoken to you? No condemnation. Just wondering. Have you asked yourself that question? We can go on for decades and and not take one step forward in His plan for our lives. You can just get caught up in the stuff everyone else says you should be doing. But what about the architect's blueprints? How much of that has been built in your life? Right? Has the foundation been, maybe the land hasn't been cleared yet. I remember as a kid, we, we built a home. and first step, we had to just clear the land. <laughs> we had to just clear all the thorns out and all the shrubs and brush and, and just make a place for what... For what we needed to build, so some of, we're all in different places. Maybe you're just realizing, oh, I've got some brush that needs to be cleared. I got I got to make room for what God wants to do in my life. Just look, we're going to ask the Holy Spirit right now to just kind of show us where we're at in this process, and it's different for all of us. We're all in different places. We all have a different path, right? A different destiny that God's called us to. Some of you maybe have already, maybe the foundation, the land's been cleared. The foundation has been dug. The footer's there, right? The, the concrete's been poured. It's dried. It's ready to go. And the frame is going up. Awesome, you know? Some of you, the frame's already gone up. The walls are finished. And uh, the, the, the electricity's been put in. The plumbing's all done. The sheetrock's up, right? Right? And now you've got to choose how to decorate it. You've got to choose some of the th- what's going to go in each room. Some of you maybe it's fully decorated and finished, and God is asking you to build another one, another home. Where are you in the process of His plan, Holy Spirit? We thank you for leading us into the light of the Father. We realize that we're all made in your image and you have a calling upon each of our lives. And we ask you, Holy Spirit, to illuminate our understanding. Show us where we're at in the architect's plans. And we're, we're relying on you to empower us to take the next step. To do what you've called us to do. Just take a few moments with the Holy Spirit. Let Him show you. Let Him give you a vision for the steps you need to take in 2021. Hallelujah. Father, we say here we are eager to please you eager to walk with you, and we give our lives unto you. Show us the glorious plan you've prepared for us before the foundation of the world. In Jesus' name, amen. God is so good. We want to invite you to continue to grow in the knowledge of his goodness, who he is, what he's done for you, and who you are in him. Check out our websites at josephbosco.us and highwaychurch.us and begin living the abundant life He came to give you.